and before we, we have a baptism Sunday, um, I planned this about six weeks ago. I was going to preach on the subject of baptism the week before, so today, okay? So it's funny how uh, things just happen. So I was talking to Pastor Aaron this week. Our kids' ministry runs on a curriculum called GROW. We really don't have any say. It's kind of like we roll through the curriculum. We just use it. Well, guess what? Our kids today, this morning, just so happens that our kids' lesson going on right now in Keystone Kids uh, is on baptism. And so that's kind of neat how the Lord worked both those things. We obviously would have not, we didn't, I wish we could say we planned it out like that. We didn't. The Lord did. And so here's what we want to do today. Uh, We want to set the stage. We want to provide clear biblical content about the subject of baptism. Um. We're calling the sermon today, Raised to Life. We sing a song. In fact, we did it last Easter, and we've done it a couple of times since Easter, uh, called Raised to Life. And there are a lot of truths about baptism that we need to know. If I may give a testimony about baptism, is that so often I grew up in church. As I, as I tell you often, I grew up in church. I speak Christianese. All right, it's my first language. English is my second language. Um, but I just thought, okay, yeah, you get saved. I mean, baptism is what you do after that. And like very, very oversimplistically, I guess that's right, but the value and the importance of it um, sometimes gets lost. Sitting in this room this morning, and not just sitting in this room, but joining us online or out of town this week, there are several of you who I have personally been able to baptize. Shout out Cody. Uh, Been able to baptize. Who? Anybody else in here have I baptized? Rainy, that's right. Baptize your kids. I baptized Sydney. Where you at, Sydney? There you are. You didn't raise your hand. You got to raise your hand. Did I baptize Sydney? That was like, <laughs> she had a little sheepish little hand raised. Um, I've been able to baptize both of my daughters here as a part of our church. Um, but here's the thing. I am very, I believe it's very important that we as a church teach on it, preach on it, and understand it before we just say, hey, come one, come all, jump in the water. Okay? I don't, I, for us, now, other churches, at, at the end of every service, like, anybody want to get baptized? Come on up. But I'm, I mean, you don't know anything about that person. You have no way of knowing their testimony. You have no way of knowing it. We like to at least preach and teach on the subject so that if you've never been biblically baptized or you need to be baptized for one other reason or two, that you now know and understand and comprehend what the Bible says about it and our philosophy about it here as a local church. So we're going to jump right in. Baptism... The actual word baptism, baptize, is not a translated word. It, is, it was not translated into English. It's actually, the word is transliterated, meaning it kept its same uh, pronunciation from the original Greek language. Okay, there are a couple of other words um, in our language that are like that. But baptism is transliterated. It literally means to immerse. So pause. Right there. Second sentence of the, of, the, of the sermon. The word actually means to immerse. So you say, Pastor Josh, do we believe in sprinkling as a form of baptism? And my answer is no, we don't. And it's very clear. Two reasons. Number one, the Bible doesn't teach it. And number two, the word actually means to immerse. That's what the word means. So just pause real quick at the very beginning. But if you're starting a new project at work or a new job, they may say that you're going to have to baptize 
yourself into this new position. And sometimes you'll hear things like, man, that guy took over that role, that job, man, he really got baptism by fire. You ever heard that, that statement? What does that mean? That doesn't mean, oh, he got sprinkled with a match here and there, right? It doesn't mean like, oh, they threw one of those poppers, you know, Adam. No, it literally means like, man, I got into work and I literally felt like I was in over my head. Anybody testified? Anybody you've been there before? Like, man, I got a new position or I started something new and I'm like, I don't even know where this is going to end. I don't know where it begins. I have no idea. I feel like I'm in over my head. I've been baptized by fire. The word baptize. It means you're immersed in. In John chapter 3 and verse 22, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. By the way, this is just the beginning. You can turn to Romans 6 if you'd like to turn somewhere. I'm right now in John 3. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. This morning, I want you and I to see a clear picture of what baptism is. What does it mean? How does it operate? Why do we do it? Heavenly Father, speak through your word, through the, the Holy Spirit as, it, as he illuminates the truth in our hearts. And God, if there be somebody here today, whether it be a student, whether it be an adult, uh, whether it be a kid who right now is listening to uh, a similar uh, lesson on their level, God, would you give wisdom and would you give courage? And if this is a step that someone needs to take, may we commit to taking that step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. By the way, I want you to know this. In our conversations, uh, parents, every parent listen to me right now, that Pastor Aaron, Pastor Jeff, our philosophy here, it is not our job to convince your children to take this step. It is our job to encourage your children to talk to their parents about taking these steps. We never want to step in the way. We want you as a parent to leave. I know parents that as soon as their kids say, man, I believe in Jesus, man, they're like, get in the water, and they're like kicking them up there to get baptized the next Sunday. I know other parents that are like, hey, listen, I like what you're talking about. I'd like to, over the next couple of years, maybe as you get older, let's talk... We honor those, both of those, okay? So I want you, I want you to be able to, to lead your own children. So we will never push your children to do something that you do not want them to do. We want you to be aware of that. Number one, I want us to see this morning, clear picture of baptism. Number one, baptism is a picture of something significant, okay? Baptism is a picture of something significant. I ask you to turn to Romans chapter 6. If you're there, follow along in your Bibles. If not... Uh, uh, words, I believe the you know, scripture will be on the screen. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Oh, by the way, Romans 5 was all about grace. And man, isn't God's grace incredible? Isn't it this morning? God's grace is amazing and God's grace covers everything. Amen? Okay. But what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? If grace is so good, then why can't we just live and do whatever the heck we want to do? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Keep in mind the verbiage. As many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We should live resurrected lives. Baptism is a picture of something significant. Have you figured it out yet? It's a picture of the gospel. Baptism is a visible, tangible, put my hands on it picture of the good news of the gospel. And the gospel in its most simplistic form is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. This morning, and as you stand to be baptized, as right by the way, right back here, we take down this little black thing right here. We got a baptism right there. That, that's where it'll be next Sunday. But as you stand baptized in the water, the death of Christ, as the water crosses you horizontally, you stand vertically. It's a picture of the cross, the death of Christ. As you go under the water, you are buried with him in baptism. And as you rise up out of the water, you are raised to walk in that new life. It is very, very vividly a picture of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel. We know that it is by grace that we are saved through faith and that it is not of ourselves, that it is the gift of God. and It's not of works. We're going to highlight that verse later on. Lest any man should boast, and those works include baptism. So this morning, baptism does not save us. Baptism is not the gospel. Baptism displays the gospel. Baptism showcases the gospel. I don't want to oversimplify baptism today. But if I told you this morning, oh man, fingers are getting too big. See if I can get this ring off. All right, here we go. If I told you this morning that I was married, I'm like, yeah, I've been married 16 and a half years. And you look and now you can actually see the fat finger um, where you can see where my ring was. And so you could be like, yeah, you basically got that tattooed on you. But um. If I didn't have this odd flesh ring around my ring finger, I'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm married. I promise. I mean, some of y'all are here for the first time today. You haven't seen, you've not met my wife today. She's, she's serving up in kids. But I promise you I'm married. I mean, I really am. Well, how do we know, Josh? I mean, I promise you I'm married. Right? I mean, what is a symbol, right? What is like a, a very easy, tangible way that I show people that I'm married? It's... It's that ring, look, I'm talking to some women that are like, I'm not sure if they're still together. And the first thing y'all do, don't lie, you look at that wedding, you look at that hand, and you see if they're still wearing that wedding ring. Do not lie in church. How many of you have done that? Raise your hand. All right, I'm about to say, I'm going to call the fire down. Hey, listen, this is where we're at in 2023. You're like, I saw they did, I saw a picture of her. She got tagged on Facebook at Christmas. Let me zoom in to her ring finger. And see if she was wearing her ring. 
That's why if you ever lose your ring, please hurry up and replace it because you've got some judgmental people around you. But it's very simple, right? It's like I want to display that I belong to my wife, Sarah, who is legitimately serving kids today, along with my daughter, one of my daughters, <laughs> that I belong to her. And so, as attractive and good-looking as I am, if I'm out in public, Debbie, stop laughing. That wasn't a joke, man. Um, no, as, as good-looking as I am, if I'm out in public, I mean, it ought to. It ought to be a stop sign, right? It ought to be a stop sign. We won't go any further. It should be a stop sign. In the same way, obviously, with the beautiful ladies that we, that we all know. Um, it's a stop sign. But that's just a simple way of saying Hey, without me even having to verbalize anything, here's a display of my marriage. Well, baptism in a very simplistic form is a, just a tangible display that I understand the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We'll get to what it means on a deeper level here in just a second, but it's like baseline level. It is a comprehension of the gospel and a willingness to act upon that and to show that publicly. Baptism is not only a real-life picture of the gospel, but it happens after conversion. Post-conversion in Acts chapter 8, Philip opened his mouth, and this is Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. And beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And by the way, the Ethiopian eunuch was studying the Bible for himself, didn't understand it. And he asked Philip to come explain it to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way Rejoicing. By the way, that's why we rejoice at baptisms. I like baptisms to be a celebration. Sometimes we do music, and next week we'll, we'll, we'll probably at least instrumentally be playing something in the background, and then when they come out of that water, we, we clap and we rejoice and we celebrate because of this scripture here. But what I want us to see for today is that it happened post-conversion. There was one question that needed to be asked of the eunuch before he could go into the water to be baptized. Do you believe? Do you believe? And so you say, Josh, why do we not baptize babies at Keystone? Because it's very difficult to communicate to an infant to ask them if they understand the gravity of the gospel and for them to respond, Bexley. Is she, is she up in here? Oh, okay, I'm about to say. I was going to ask her right now. Was she uh, six months old? Nine months old? Ain't no way. Now, she will worship, man. She got that down. She got them hands up during worship. Okay, so that's why we don't do that. And I'm going to get to a little bit more of that in a second. But it is post-conversion. It is a declaration of something that happened to you, an experience that you have with Christ on the inside. So it is post-conversion. Secondly, so first of all, just, just to go back, 
baptism is a picture of something significant. It is the gospel. So because it's a picture of the gospel, you need to have experienced the gospel in order to participate in baptism. So by the way, if you've never experienced the good news of the gospel in your own heart, and your own life, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. Because that's the most important thing. It's more important than being baptized. It is believing 100% your faith and your trust and your heart to Jesus. And that's it. Plus nothing, minus nothing. Secondly, I want us to see this. Not only is baptism a picture of something significant, but secondly, baptism is a picture of someone significant. Someone significant. When we are biblically baptized, we are immersed, we are, uh, we are buried in the likeness of his death, and we are raised to walk in that new life. We can literally say, as Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ lives in me. We can literally say that we have, we have been symbolized the life of Jesus. Baptism is all about proclaiming who Jesus is in your life. Those who take the public step of being baptized and standing up in front of people, and maybe that's not your personality, you don't like being up in front of people, I understand that, but why we are called to do that is because we are identifying with Jesus Christ as our Savior. We are identifying with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Master. It's not just that, oh, I recited a prayer in a service one day. It's like, no, I understand the Lordship of Jesus and that He is the one I am following. Because it's a picture of Jesus. Baptism says, when Jesus died, I die. When Jesus was buried, I am buried. When Jesus rose, I have victory and resurrection power, as we sang this morning. It's about identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's about identifying with the gospel. It's about identifying with Jesus Christ. Baptism boldly states, I identify with Jesus. I am his. He is mine. In case anyone had any questions, I belong to him. I am in Christ, and he is mine. Romans chapter 6, once again back there. Remember Romans 5, grace, 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 rah, rah, rah. Romans 6 is like, hold up. Don't you take that grace and abuse it. Same chapter, Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be united together. That's kind of unspoken there. In the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, with Jesus. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin, I can't preach all this this morning. This is like a sermon series. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Man, baptism, identifying with the perfect, sinless, risen Son of God. 
Baptism identifying with the fact that he died for our sins and that he was buried and that he laid in that tomb. But baptism realizing that he rose again to triumph over death and hell and sin. And so when we come up out of that water, we're signifying that the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that we are going to fight against the forces of hell and the forces of sin and the forces of death. Not in our strength, not in our power, but in his. It's a declaration. It's identifying with who Jesus is. It's a picture of something significant. It's a picture of someone significant. Thirdly, this morning, I want us to see that baptism is a bold statement about you. Okay, it's a bold statement about you. It's kind of, I, think you, I think you can grasp this as we've been speaking through this, kind of leading up to this point, that baptism says something about you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are created in Christ Jesus to boldly do the works of a follower of Jesus. Baptism is a bold statement that I am doing the work of a follower of Jesus. That I am not a bystander in the crowd. That my faith is not dormant, but my faith is active. I have been called, literally called to do good works. I've been created to do good works. In our comfortable American church culture, which there are some really good things about the American church culture, and there are some really challenging things about the American church culture. We have somewhat cheapened baptism into some ritual that we do, some day we plan. But I hope that we as Americans, very comfortable in our freedom, understand that in countries all over the world, baptism is the step that gets you disowned by family. Publicly identifying with Christian baptism is the step that puts you on the list. It's the step that tells everyone who hates Christianity that you are now a part of Christianity. It's that important. It's the step that could sometimes put your life in danger. You see, you can verbally claim to have converted to Christianity in many of these developing countries. You can verbally claim to have converted to Christianity, but until you take the step of baptism, they don't believe you. Baptism seals the deal. That is the point where new believers and old believers who have never publicly identified with Jesus in baptism experience their true persecution for their faith. I would, I would say this morning that baptism is probably a bigger deal than what we make it. It's probably a bigger deal than that. It is more than merely obeying Christ, even though it is being obedient to Christ. It is more than just merely imitating Christ, 
even though it is, Christ was baptized. It is an imitation of him. It is more than just a symbol, a ring of salvation, even though it is a symbol, a ring of salvation. Baptism is a public declaration. Listen to me. Baptism is a public declaration that the old life has been buried and your new life in Christ is here. Listen, I'm going to repeat it. Baptism is a public declaration that the old life has been buried and your new life in Christ is here. It's a public declaration that you will live your life to follow Jesus and his teachings. It is a public declaration that you are no longer the person that you used to be. The world behind me, as the song says, the cross before me, baptism says no turning back, no turning back. Baptism says if Jesus is like this, then I am like this. If Jesus cares for the poor, then I will care for the poor. If Jesus shows grace to sinners, I will show grace to sinners. If If Jesus stood for the truth without compromise, I will stand for the truth without compromise. Whatever this morning Jesus thinks, that's what I think. To draw our attention back to that verse, we are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that first good work in being a workman of Jesus is to publicly identify with him in baptism. I hope that we've been clear. I did not spend a lot of time this morning on the baptism of Jesus, even though that's another lane and avenue that I believe is important to this discussion. I did want you to get out at a decent time. I believe that a part of this, as I mentioned in passing, is us imitating what Christ did, being a Christian, a little Christ, as they called them. But I hope this morning that I was able to, from Scripture show you the importance of being baptized. So now, in conclusion, I would like to answer three questions. Who must be baptized? Who must be? Okay, number two, who can be? Okay, and number three, who should not be? Fair enough? Try to leave you with some easy Q&A. All right, some takeaway. You ready? Who must be baptized? Number one, this is not, oh, this is on the screen. Look at y'all, man, y'all killing it. <clears throat> who must be baptized? Those who have been saved, but not yet baptized. You have had an experience. You know that you've believed on the name of Jesus. You know he's your savior. You put your faith and your trust in him. You count yourself as a believer, and you've just never taken the step of baptism. And it could be for a lot of reasons. There could be social anxiety. There could be just where you were in life at the time. Maybe the church is like ours. We schedule our baptism days. They didn't have a day scheduled, and so you just moved on, and you just never did. And then, who must be baptized, uh, kind of under that, because I believe it's important to our discussion, that these folks who, need to, who must be baptized should be baptized as a part of a local church, in accordance to Acts chapter 2. It's one of the commands given to the local church. So, we believe in local church. That does not mean that uh, I, as the lead pastor, have to baptize everyone. It's not going to be the case. In fact, some of our baptisms that we have scheduled for the next couple of weeks, uh, Pastor Aaron's going to be doing one. We're, we're, we have the, we've had parents we've had different things we are we are flexible with that but it should be done under the guise and under the leadership and umbrella of the local church okay local church so who must be baptized 
Those who have been saved and not yet baptized, and it should be done in a local church. Real quick caveat. Don't take that. My grandfather was 82 years old when he got baptized. He came out of a different kind of a religious culture. My mom's step, one of my mom's stepfathers. She's had a few. Anyway, long story. My grandma was a good lady. She just, all of her husbands died. It was weird. Um, we're like, it got to the point where we're like, you sure you want to date her? Because like the last two didn't work out so well for them. Uh, but anyway, um, my, I think it was my second grandfather, Willie. He was 82 years old. He could, he, he, there was no way he could get up in a service like this and stand up here. And so they literally filled up like a large bab, uh, like a tub at his house. And he brought some friends and family over and he got baptized. Listen, I'm all for that. Don't take what I'm saying this morning as like, we will not bend or bow if there's someone who can't. I'm, just chill. All right? Just chill. We're logical. So who must be baptized? Those who have been saved and not yet baptized. Secondly, who can be baptized? Now remember, Take into consideration everything we've said. This is a public declaration that it's real. It's real. Those who have had an assurance of salvation battle that Jesus has given them victory over. That's me. As like a little kid, I got saved. Had no clue what I was doing. This is no judgment here, but I was a part of a family that was like, oh, you got saved. Next Sunday you're getting baptized. Hop up in there. Okay? That was the way I was grown. I was raised. So at 19, I'm having, from like age 12 to 19, I'm having like this intense battle in my faith, knowing that I'm a fake and knowing that I'm not real. So when I got that settled at 19, that it was real, I got baptized at 19. Um, So that's mine. That's my story. Uh, Those who've had a long-term season of falling away from the relationship with Jesus or in a backslidden uh, lifestyle. Now, that is not who has to be. That is who can be. Can I give you a good illustration of it? Pastor Jeff, was it two summers ago? Two summers ago, we had several students um, get either saved for the first time, six, get saved for the first time, or get assurance, reassurance of the salvation at camp. Okay? Most of those students decided to go and get baptized to publicly declare that. A couple of them, one of them being my daughter, had already been baptized, and hers was a little different. And she decided that she was okay. She had already been baptized. She just reaffirmed some things. It's okay. Like it's, I, we believe in like individual soul liberty here. Like take what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do and do that. I baptized, I baptized people who have served in Christian ministry for years and fell away from the Lord and wanted to publicly declare that they were, they were rededicating their life to Christ. I'll do that. Does that make sense? No, so I'm not going to say here, if you've experienced a time away from the Lord, you need to be baptized next Sunday. I am saying if you've experienced a time away from the Lord and the Holy Spirit prompts you to say, hey, listen, the Lord has got my heart. I'm back, I'm in, and I want to publicly declare that. I'm saying you need to follow what the Holy Spirit tells you. I don't think it's wrong for you to do that. Thirdly, who should not be baptized? Okay, those who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus for salvation. Once again, that answers the question of do we baptize infants? And that, to go along with that, those who have not reached the age to comprehend salvation, its implications of baptism. Now, the age of accountability, y'all ever heard that statement? That, that's a churchy quote. It's not in scripture, um, which is why a lot of church people talk about it, right? Um, I do not believe in, in the age of accountability. I believe that every single person individually comes to 
understanding and knowledge and belief on their own journey. And for some people, that might mean as a kid, as you are a parent of a kid, your kid starts asking you questions and it becomes something very real to them at a very early age. That's great. It might be that you're sitting there going, my kid is X amount of years old and they've never asked me any questions about this stuff. That's okay. Like, let them walk their journey. Let God, as he says, let God draw them and you be there to, to experience it with them. Okay? So here's what we do because we do not baptize babies. Here's what we do. We're going to give you more information about it um, here in just a minute in our announcements. We have what we call family dedication. You may have heard it called baby dedication. Once again, in the same mind and concept, the baby don't know what they're dedicating, what they're doing. Your baby's going to sit up here and cry while we're doing this. Like, we believe it's a family dedication. The reason why we chose chosen family dedication, some people call it parent baby dedication. We call it family dedication because ours is two ways. On January the 29th, we will have family dedication. We want to dedicate the families that are raising children in our church. We want to come alongside you and dedicate those children to the Lord. And then we want to commit ourselves as a church family that we will support you and come alongside you and partner with you as you lead your children. That's, that's the family dedication part. So that's why we don't baptize babies this morning. What a way to end the sermon. Race to life. Baptism. Say, so Josh, is it important? Oh, it's It's important. It's probably more important than what we think it is. Josh, does it save me? Does me going under that water and coming up out of that water and now I completely a follower of Jesus? No, it doesn't save you. It shows that you truly are saved. Philip, I'm the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip, explain these, this Bible to me. And he begins preaching Jesus. Oh, Philip, here's some water. Can I get baptized? And he says, if you believe. And Philip says, I believe. And he was baptized. It's as simple as that. And so I, I come to you today for two things. Number one, if you have never been baptized, or maybe you're a parent and you have a child that you've been uh, considering and talking through, we do baptism days around here as needed. So we'll schedule one when we know we have some folks that need to get baptized. Um, so please feel free to communicate that to Pastor Aaron, Pastor Jeff, any ministry leader, or myself. Um, it's completely cool. Number two, if you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, Philip said, if you believe. So I ask you this morning, have you believed the gospel, the good news, that you're not good enough? That's good news. You're not good enough. You're a sinner. You can try all you want to, and you're going to always come up short. It's good news. You know why? Because Jesus did everything in your place. He lived the life that you can't live. You can't live a perfect life. Jesus did. He died the death you were supposed to die. You were supposed to pay for your sin. The wages of sin is death. You were supposed to pay for it. But Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid it all. And what's the song saying? Now all to him I owe. If you've never trusted Jesus... Today should be that day. Today should be that day. Keith is going to give you some instruction. 
as a part of our announcements today, if you're interested in being baptized, you can actually go see him after the service. He's going to help you uh, make sure we get your name and information and communicate with you as we prepare for next week. As you know, we don't have the most conducive building uh, to do baptisms, and so we have creative ways of, of, of getting you prepared and ready. But the most important thing is that you know Jesus. It's the most important thing. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus? And if you do, have you been biblically baptized? Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.